Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Spend my dollar. It's not about what you want. It's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go. This is the payback. What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Hello and welcome, Alabama football podcast fans. Have we got a treat for you. We are meeting with Tommy, not our Tommy, but uh, LSU Tommy. Uh, Tommy with Talking Tigs podcast. Uh, He hops on the line with us and uh, we break down the upcoming LSU game, and we talk through the coaching search, who they might be looking for, sort of names and events uh, that they might have in mind. Talk a little bit about Coach O, uh, talk about some of the players and some of the behaviors, patterns that uh, uh, some of the players are uh, sort of demonstrating there. So it's really interesting, uh, a good conversation, and uh, certainly someone uh, we'll look to have back on prior to uh, future LSU games. So a lot of conversation. At this point, I'm going to hand it over to the podcast. Go. Hey, welcome back, podcast fans. Have we got a treat for you? We've got Tommy with Talking Tigs Podcast. Tommy, how are you tonight? Doing great. Thank you for uh, thank you for having us on. Fantastic. Hey, there's a lot of things to talk about with the LSU game coming up. This has been, you know, there was a run there where it was the annual game of the century, and there's a lot of feelings between Alabama uh, and uh, LSU, if you will. And, uh, you know, some of those go back uh, quite a ways. But why don't we jump in? friendly football conversation. I will start off the field a little bit and then we'll run through uh, position groups. I think the shiny topic when it comes any media outlet out there, right? The shiny topic when it comes to LSU football is the coaching search. So let me ask you from the perspective of the, of the fan, who, who are the preferred targets? I mean, you you know, the the preferred, I think you could ask every LSU fan will have a different, different uh, choice. And and that's kind of, it's, it's one of the toughest jobs in, in the country because the uh, I almost think, and you'll appreciate this, of course, with so much success that Alabama's had. I, I don't know. I wonder what it would be like if and when Alabama ever started to f- kind of to fall because LSU has had a lot of sustained success. Not we haven't gotten the rings, but it's been always in the conversation, top, top four teams. And when you really look at college football, especially with the way the, per, with the way the, uh, the score is going right now, there's really, four elite programs mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. and alabama's one of them and clemson's one of them ohio state's one of them and 
uh, and maybe maybe Oklahoma, you could kind of argue that they're always in the conversation. But the question for LSU is, and, and I think that was a question that that Scott Woodward had to answer when he first came in as the, as the athletic director, and it's something that he's evidently thinks he's got. He's getting closer to the answer is 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 it was Ed Orgeron the guy to take us to be to to cement us as that as that as that you know fourth or fifth elite program that's content that's just continually uh competing for championships obviously he doesn't feel that way i think that the there's a lot of people saying i mean i was in i was in a, 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 a at a dinner earlier this week with a uh member of the louisiana board of regents and there the, it's a very government and L, the lsu football job it's the highest paid state job mm-hmm. and the legislature, the governor—it's a—it's a—it's as much a political job as it is a uh, as it is like a football job yep. or an administrative university job. So you know these big I, my my uh, my day job is I work in government relations. So and it's interesting the 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 way that the things will intertwine. So I'm I'm in, I'm at a you know event where I would never think I would be talking to somebody who's has to do anything with LSU football, and then that's the that's the the number one conversation. And yeah. you know I've heard. I mean, especially after a big win against Michigan this past Saturday, Mel Tucker is somebody who has been, he started off as he's been continually in the, in talks. I think his star is getting a little bit higher now with that, with that win against Michigan. That was a statement win for him, but I don't know. I think that, you know, the Gary Patterson firing or parting ways, that's a really interesting one. I remember when when people were talking about firing Les Miles years ago, Gary Patterson was one of the names that would come up a lot, and the the thing would be, well, you know, he's not leaving t- TCU; he's been there forever. Why would he leave? Or ah, I don't know. But um, I think that's an interesting one. Of course, Lane Kiffin's been in the talks. Uh, I, I've heard and I heard in the, from from that kind of high profile guy I was talking to. If 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 LSU gets told no enough, Lane Kiffin will be the one. If if it kind of goes, they they uh, I don't know how much you've kind of followed the the coaching search, but supposedly they've reached out to James Franklin, mm-hmm. and it, the talks didn't go well. Whatever between, however you know, whether it was him or whether it was his agent or kind of it just didn't gel. There wasn't a great um, a great rapport so far. So if they have a hard time filling that job, which I think is almost more troubling than if, if they have hard, a hard time getting someone to say yes, I think it's more troubling than whoever the person is, because it's about, the, you know, I, I always look at it as about the program, not about the the, the man who, who leads the team or, or the individual players on the field. But, you know, who knows? We might, we might have to settle with Lane Kiffin. I, I don't know if that's necessarily settling, but um, <laughs> that, you know, those are some names to watch. No, I think, uh, you know, Matt Berry, uh, ESPN personality, not my favorite, but, uh, you know, I thought, I thought he pegged it and, you know, it was a pretty thick branch that he stepped out on. But uh, if LSU gets the right coach, you know, you mentioned the top four or five programs, sometimes right at the, sometimes bouncing, you know, through, sometimes right at the, at that, at that limit, you know, LSU hovers, hovers right there and the right coach getting everything pulled uh, in the right direction. I think LSU could be quite something to see. Saban spent a number of years there and it was, it was incredible uh, what he was able to do there. So I think the right coach landing the job there at LSU, it's limitless potential. Uh, what they could, what they could do. Lane Kiffin is interesting because I, now I say this from from a little bit of a distance, and he was our offensive coordinator for a little bit, and and I just saw Saturday's game against you know against Auburn, right? Uh, I think Lane Kiffin would be a spectacular three or four seasons 
but uh, you could almost predict that it wouldn't end well. What's the fan base thought? Uh, and maybe I shouldn't say it out loud because when I look uh, across LSU sites, I don't see his name mentioned. But what do you think about Billy Napier? You know, I think that Billy Napier is someone who's talked about a lot. There's a lot of people who um, I think everybody in the state of Louisiana has respect for what he's done with with uh, Lafayette. Now, of course, you know, it's it's interesting for me from for a lot of for most people here. It's UL Lafayette, ULL. It's a directional mm-hmm. school the same way that. Uh, you know, Georgia Southern is not Georgia. Right. They've done a very good job of, uh, of positioning themselves as the University of Louisiana. Uh, as you watch on ESPN on the, on the bumper when they're playing, when they play, uh, you know, whoever, when they play Coastal Carolina, it's going to say Coastal Carolina, it's going to say Louisiana. Yep. But there's nothing, that, that's all just marketing. Yeah. Um, and that's a great job by them. And it's done, it, I think that's, honestly, I think that, that that just little bit of, you know, change, change on the jersey, change on the, on the uh, scoreboard, it means a lot for recruiting for them. I think it's a good pitch for them to say, "Hey, like we're we're just as important." But in the down here, it it's not the same. And I think that there are a lot of people, especially kind of like what I alluded to with the this is as much a political and a and a, and a the the elite of the elite in Louisiana have a lot of say in how this job is going to be filled. And as far as donors, as far as boosters, as far as big time business people. Because you know they're cutting the checks a lot of times for for the the athletics and the and the the, the donations to the program and everything. I don't think they're going to want the ULL, the Lafayette coach, to be the sure. to be the the leader of the Tigers. Sure. And I, you know it's it's interesting. You mentioned about kind of how LSU does have that potential to be um, another another top program, and I don't really think that's necessarily a homer take, just because the dynamics of the state. Oh, you know, yeah. like we don't have an Auburn. There, there right. is no other. Right. It, it's just the way we are. Like we don't have a, we don't have a, a, a competing top level program, a Florida State to a Florida or something like that. So, and then with with the recruiting that we, you know, we have we have this hotbed of recruiting. And then when when and I don't see a lot of people even at, at LSU talking about this as much, but with the conference realignment that that should be coming, depending on how they divvy up the East and the West, we could, you know, our, our this game we're talking about that we're, we're previewing this coming Saturday could end up being a cross-divisional rivalry yep. because it would make a lot more geographic sense for us to stay in the West and y'all to go to the East with Auburn. And if that opens up, then I really think that there's a, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it's a definite because we've seen the past two seasons, LSU can, can fall from grace faster than, uh, you know, faster than Devonte Smith on a, on a post route, but um, if LSU gets this right and the, and the realignment happens and everything like that, it could really be LSU and Alabama in mm-hmm. it, it, the same way that it is, you know, nowadays it's pretty much Alabama, maybe a maybe LSU and Georgia yep. in that, you know, East versus West. Um, so it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an important hire. I think it's an important hire for even for, for just for fans of the sport in general, just to pay attention to no, I think I think you make a good point, and I think and and I'll say I'll, I'll say it, um, you know, Billy Napier may not be as big of a name as uh, as what LSU was hunting for. And look, if I were LSU, I I would feel I would probably feel uh, the same way. Um, when I look at the names, uh, I have a hard time, and and maybe it's recency bias on uh, watching Saturday's game, but uh, uh, Mel Tuck, Mel Tucker's name keeps bubbling back up, 
And uh, as far as I can remember, you guys have had pretty good success going into Michigan State. And Michigan State, Coach? Yeah. Hey, well, let's talk about uh, maybe closer to the field, not all the way onto the field, unfortunately. But LSU has had, you know, quite a run of injuries this season. Uh, I think I saw somewhere that uh, 40 players have have missed time. That's that's an astounding number. Uh, there's some players, you guys coming off the bye, there's some players that are expected to be ready to play Saturday, but maybe not even yet ready to, to practice. Talk about uh, just, is it, has it been a string of, Light kind injuries or just 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 crazy bad bad luck. I mean, I I think that, and from from people I've talked to, it's a lot of injuries, but it's a lot of I don't know. You never want to say, oh, they're they're not injured or oh, this I don't know about that. But with the way the season's gone, there there is a there's definitely a feeling around the program of you don't want to jeopardize your future. And if it's a if it's if it's a borderline injury, let's just shut it down now, now because you'll come back either you'll come back next year, or you're going to the NFL next year, and uh, you know we'll just let's just let's just calm it down. And it, with kind of with the way that the leadership has gone from one basically firing your coach without firing him, which is a strange move. I, I don't know if I've ever seen that happen before. I don't know if that's ever really been done. Definitely not the way that it is, that it is do is going. Where Orgeron gave a he gave a press conference like you know, six hours ago where he talked about the game plan for Alabama, but everyone knows he's not, you know, he's not doing anything really. So I I don't envy the position these players are in. I, you know, hopefully I honestly wouldn't, you know, some of the players that, um, that you're, you know, we, like we, we've got Kayshawn Butte, he's out, he's not playing. Uh, Stingley's not playing. Rick's not playing. Some of the, some of the big names, you know, we might get a few guys back who, who kind of, maybe came out early, uh, you know, against um, Ole Miss or kind of had some, had some dings, but uh, I don't, I'm not, I, like, we're not, anybody who is borderline, I don't think they're going to, they're going to strap on the pads and really just make a, could be in, in way, in a way that maybe three years ago right. when Joe Burrow was, when y'all came, when y'all came here, Joe Burrow played and it was never, nobody knew until afterwards he was playing with like a torn, yeah. uh, like a banged up shoulder, he still played because it was it was LSU Alabama. Right. This is not that kind of game. It's not that. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. That's uh, uh, I, I like the I like, I like the way you sort of thread the thread of the needle on that one. Uh, good uh, good breakdown. Talk about you know getting trying trying to get a little further away from the injury topic, but uh, it, you know it's hard to hard to talk about positions without it. Talk about quarterback uh, Max Johnson. He really took over the position when Miles Brennan went down uh, off season injury. Uh, pre-camp injury he's transferring now so there's probably a storyline there but talk about max 20 touchdowns five interceptions you know 2,000 yards about 60 percent completion how's he progressed what what is he doing right you know I think max is he's an interesting guy doesn't have a ton of arm strength in the same way that like Miles Brennan is the guy who had a cannon Yep. And he could throw it around, but Miles was, is the curious case of Miles Brennan. He'd been there. I mean, he's, it's almost like his, I think it's his fifth year now. He could, he'll potentially, he's transferring. People say like, oh, well, that's weird. Why is he transferring? He potentially could have seven years of college football mm-hmm. because of a medical red shirt and then the COVID red shirt. So he's got two more years on the, t- on the, on the, you know, potential for him. I think it is interesting that he's, that he's, he's moving on. It shows that, Within that locker room, there was a lot of discussion. We kind of had a quarterback controversy going into the season. 
obviously Max Johnson got the got the nod because of the injury, but I think that him transferring shows uh, Miles Brennan announcing today he's transferring shows that uh, that that competition probably is a little bit further than further than it than you thought it was or that it was alluded to. But that being said, I don't think you know to answer your question about progression. I haven't seen a, a ton of progression that I would like to see from a Max Johnson. But I don't know if you can really blame that on him, yeah. Because I, I just don't know. I, I, Jake Peets seems like he seems like a nice guy. Seems I mean, I've, I've I was on a Zoom call with him one time, a little like uh, kind of not a uh, like a booster thing where you, mm-hmm. they sent out a, a you could talk, you could just listen to him talk. Seems super nice. Seemed you know engaging and everything. But I don't really. Th- think that they've developed him well. And that's kind of been the MO for LSU. That's been the Achilles heel. We have never been able to, to successfully develop a quarterback. You know, the old, the old joke is that, uh, you know, Les Miles used to recruit top quarterbacks and then move them to wide receiver. Right. Uh, and so, um, you know, or, or go recruit dual threat quarterbacks and make them throw, make them just hang in the pocket and try to be Peyton Manning. It just doesn't work. Doesn't work. And, we thought we'd kind of gotten it right with Burrow, but it seemed like Burrow actually just kind of developed himself. Uh, or, or you could, you, you have to give a little more credit to Insminger, or maybe a little bit of credit to Joe Brady. But Brady, yeah. all, all those pieces have kind of. I think the Brady thing is a little bit overblown. Um, a lot of people, Brady's the hot name. He's got he's the young guy, yep. but you know, I, I, from what I've heard, you know, there was it was a lot more of just kind of a a, a, a team effort, I guess. But um. You know, Max, I, I think he's I think he's got a lot of potential still. I, I will say I, I'm interested in Nussmeyer. Um, I like seeing yeah. him play against Ole Miss. He's got a little bit of a spark. He's he's kind of he he can he'll sling it. Max is a little bit more methodical with the way he throws the ball. I think you'll probably see that, especially against a, a, a vaunted defense like Alabama's gonna have on uh so the the thing with Max also we haven't seen so I can't really speak to his progression because they really haven't let him play his game. He's a yeah. he's more of a dual threat guy. I wouldn't say he's dual threat in the same way like a uh, you know like a like a speed demon dual threat guy is, but he's got he's got a few wheels and he's not afraid to run the ball. But I mean, even if you listen to Orgeron's, um, especially early in the season, you listen to his his press conferences. He basically said, "We don't want to run him." Yeah, and and that it was you know well, we especially because of Miles Brennan going down and there's really a lack of depth with TJ TJ Finley transferring out. So I don't know. I think the jury's still out on Max Johnson. I I, I look for him to have an improved. If if they, it all depends on this hire though. We always you know yeah. we, it seems like we're going back to this to this coaching hire, but we've had so many you know we've had people transfer out. We've had people. I, I almost I almost say de facto opt out or yeah. you know. It, or it have injuries that they've choose to that, they, that they're choosing to you know let's just go and get surgery now all that kind of stuff. Yeah. If you get this, if you nail this hire, you can retain a lot of this talent. Maybe you can develop that quarterback. But if you don't, I, I you know I I do worry. I, and I think that Johnson could. I think that he could be. He could take that next step next year and be a great quarterback for LSU. I think he's got the tools and he's got the pedigree and everything. But I also I could see him if he's not developed properly. I could see him being a, a, a just like a. a uh, Mettenberger or uh, Jarrett Lee, you know, good, not great. Yeah. What do you think about, uh, you know, I saw uh, Garrett Musp- Nussmeyer has played in three games. There's at least a, a spoken intent to redshirt him. So he might just play in one more game. I don't know, uh, 
you know, if you're willing to give them quality quality reps and sort of bring them along. I don't know if Saturday's the day uh, for that, but what is your thought on uh, on Nussmeyer and when, you know, should should they take the red shirt off and put them in or how would you sort of bring him along with what you're hearing inside the program there? You know, I don't hear, I haven't heard a ton about Nussmeyer from, from a, I don't, I don't think, and, and I and to say that, I think it does say something. I, I don't hear a ton, but I think that there's a reason for that. I like the red shirt. I think that there's no point in like, let's just be honest. And I don't know if we're going to, I don't know if we're going to do like straight up predictions and everything like that. LSU's not going to win this game. Like, I don't think anybody in the right mind is going to say that. I don't think LSU's really predicted. I don't think anybody at LSU thinks that they're going to win this game. Um, there's no point in, in, in wasting at potentially, you know, messing up, Garrett Nussmeyer's development by throwing him into the to probably one of the most hostile environments in college football against a, a team that's going to be playing in the college football playoff. We have a beat up and, and frankly, untalented offensive line. That's been a struggle for us the entire year. That, that's another thing that where, where I, I really think you can't, can't really, the jury's still out on Max Johnson because he really has no time to throw it all. Right. And, and when he does get time, or when he, he kind of makes it for himself, he's scrambling around. He doesn't really get time to set his feet and actually throw. So I feel like with, with Nussmeyer, I, I hope they do redshirt him. I haven't heard one way or the other, you know, anything, anything more than, than, you know, what you've said as yeah. far as like an insider info. I, I do think it's interesting. So you're going to have uh, potentially you'll have LSU. LSU will have Max Johnson his junior year next year a sophomore or redshirt freshman year for Nussmeyer next year, and then a, a true freshman in Walker Howard, who's yeah. the number one quarterback in the country right now, kind of, with an asterisk by his name because Quinn Ewers was the number one and now right, he, right, he right. reclassified. But um, people like to say he's the number one in the country, which number two is no slouch either. So hey, no he's very, very good, very, very good pure pocket passer. You'll, LSU should have an, an interesting and and – competitive quarterback you know discussion next year but again you know people were talking about like what i don't think lsu necessarily has somebody on their radar that with this scheme but imagine if imagine if you bring a guy in who who wants to wants to have a true dual threat read option attack then then you might see walker howard walk go somewhere else so there's so there's so many moving pieces right now um you know, I, I, there could be, I don't, I don't think this is happening, but there could be pressure from, from pressure to do whatever Nussmeyer kind of wants to do. Cause he's, he might be saying, well, look, I, I might be transferring right. too. So I don't know about that. I, I obviously that's going to be kept under wraps, but um, it, it's, it's a, it, there's a lot of turmoil right now. Yeah. That makes sense. Talk about the, uh, you mentioned the offensive line, talk about them a little bit uh, tank uh, ta- tackle. Uh, Anthony Bradford, he started at both tackles over the course of the season. He's been ruled out uh, for the season. Left tackle, uh, Cam Wire is returning, and guard uh, Chasen Hines is returning. Is that the offense offensive line getting better, or is it more just shuffling bodies? It's been that kind of year. It, it's a total shuffle. I, I wouldn't say we have a, a elite offensive lineman um, on this on this line, and I mean that's no no disrespect to them. But they're just not they're not talent they're not SEC top of the top of the barrel talent you know and, and that's something that LSU if you, if you follow LSU you know that that's where they struggle for some reason and I can't tell you why 
the state of Louisiana can put out wide receivers. They put out wide before LSU was good. They put out wide receivers. Yep. They can put out quarterbacks before LSU was good. They were putting out quarterbacks, uh, running backs. We got a billion of them. Even quarterbacks, we've had you know decent uh, decent time uh, producing quarterbacks. Go look at Dak Prescott, who's competing to win a, a Super Bowl. He was overlooked. It, it, he he wanted to go to LSU, and, and Les Miles said, "Nah, you're not good enough for me." Now that's more of a testament to LSU, I think, than, than Dak's talent in high school. But um, it, there's something about uh, the offensive line development that just doesn't really happen here, and and LSU's recruiting hotbed really is. It starts in the boot. And, uh, you know, you, you look at our, you look at our team, it's something that, and I think you see it a little bit with Alabama, but, but of course, Alabama is more of a national brand now, but one thing that is kind of cool about LSU is a lot of times you'll see 90% of the team is yeah. you can pick, you can pick where they're from in Louisiana. I'm from Monroe and, you know, some of my, some of my favorite players that have played for LSU, I know like Richard Lawrence, who was a star senior uh, defensive tackle for LSU, the 2019 championship year, he went to high school five minutes from my mom's house where I grew up. So as far as the offensive line goes, we just don't have a ton of talent in Louisiana, in the state of Louisiana. We've tried to go to the transfer portal. Uh, our starting center is Liam Shanahan, who is a transfer from uh, or a grad transfer from Harvard but Ivy League is not a, is not the. Uh, That's not where you go to get. <laughs> and so on a regular on the regular, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know what? And, and the thing is, he's a classmate of mine. He's he's in the NBA program as well. So I'm not going to rag on him, but sure. it you know it's it's just a different it's just different. It's sure. the same thing as when when you talk about um you know I'm sure you're kind of you and, and your friends are looking at um Cincinnati and saying okay like well is Cincinnati Cincinnati in the playoff or sure. I, I think most people would say that's going to be a di- – they might be able to compete, but it's just not the same. It's not the same. No, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, talk about the skill positions. Uh, running back has sort of uh, burst out. Tyron uh, Davis-Price, you know, Kayshawn uh, Boudet at uh, wide receiver, but he's he's out. He's he's, yeah. one, of the, he's one of those guys. Uh, who are we looking for at the, the skill positions? Who are the, the players we need to watch when uh, trying to get the ball in their hand? I, I think that a name that jumps out to me initially, and he's been he's been basically good all year. He's a tough guy. Is Jack Besh? He's a wide receiver out of uh, out of uh, Lafayette. Um, interestingly, he played with Walker Howard, who we talked about. They played in high school together, and he's been he's a true freshman who's played a lot for LSU this entire year. And, and pretty much every time he catches the ball, there's you know something good happens, and he's not afraid to to you know take on a hit. He's not afraid to to make a move. I, I like him. I think he's somebody who could provide a spark. I don't see Davis Price has had, you know, he's had a good couple past games. Um, it seems like he's finally figured it out. And it's kind of interesting because it's like, where has this guy been? It's like he learned how to, it's like he opened his eyes, but I don't, I don't see him having a breakout game again against, against this Alabama defense. I just think it's going to be different than um, even, even Florida where he, I mean, he broke the, single game rushing record for LSU in that game. I just don't think it's going to be the way it's going to go for him. He kind of reminds me of, of, I wouldn't say like uh, he, he, Davis price reminds me a little bit of Mark Ingram, not, not Alabama Mark Ingram, but more of like New Orleans saints, Mark Ingram runs for three yards and kind of falls over. Um, and, and, but, but again, like he's really, he's proven a lot of people wrong and, and is, has, has had a great stre- uh, stretch of games. Again, as far as another uh, skill positions, I mean, Malik, Malik Neighbors has been good. He's a, a, a freshman. Um, 
wide receiver. There's a ton of wide. We have a ton of wide receiver depth, and it, it's you know it's kind of like take your pick. There's right. there's a ton of these talented wide receivers for LSU. It's just we haven't been able to give them the ball. Of course, when you have a guy like Keishon Butte on the field, you're going to play through him. Yeah. But even when he was, even before he was injured, it, it, it we were not utilizing that talent to the way that we the way we should have. So, um, I, I but I think yeah, I think Jack Besh is someone who he's kind of become a a little bit of a security blanket for Max. I think you'll see him maybe you know lean on him and try to get him the ball. Um, and he and he's he's a guy who, who could make a move and and kind of run off. Which uh, which tight end uh, is going to give us trouble? Uh, there's only six receptions at the tight end. Uh, Cole Taylor, he looks like a big old boy, 6'7", 243. And uh, Jack Mashburn, 6'2", 218. They both seem receiver types, but not catching a lot of balls. Is that just a function of just the malaise across the offense, or is that schematic? Uh, they're, just, they're just not part of uh, Coach O's system. Well, you see, so Cole Taylor is, is the more receiving – tight end mashburn is actually a, a guy who was who was kind of brought in to to aid in the in the production of that run the uh run offense so um you saw a lot more mashburn against florida uh and and then against Ole miss after that than than you saw at the beginning of the year and he was in there you know running like those powers and those uh and the counters and and you know going on and trying to take on a, a linebacker or taking on um even trying to take on a, a defensive end, you know, chip a defensive end, mm-hmm. something like that. So I think if you see, you know, for a little, I'm sure Alabama's keying on this too. It's like when, when Mashburn comes in, it's probably, he's probably going to be helping to run. I, I, now I don't, that's not to say he can't catch the ball, but as I've seen it, you know, Mashburn is more of the, the blocking tight end and, and Taylor is, I'm not going to say he's the, he's the sure on receiving tight end, but he's just not the blocking tight end. I got you. I got you. Well, he's a big old body. He seems like uh, if he get if he could get loose in the middle and and Max had uh, had had a second to to throw the ball. Uh, tight ends give us trouble. So uh, we'll, well see how that and goes. I think that's actually that's a place where Jack Bet where you'll see Jack Besh too. Okay, he, they they play him as a as a an interior hybrid tight end slot type receiver. He's got the speed. He played wide receiver in high school. He's got the speed to play wide receiver. He's got the hands and everything, but. Um, he was actually brought in to kind of fill, you know, with the whole Eric Gilbert saga. So we had Eric Gilbert, who was the number one all-world tight end recruit, but basically played three games for us or something. Yep. Jack Besh was actually brought in as kind of that replacement. Not, not that you can replace a guy like that because he's just so physically gifted, but that time of skill set where he can, he's not afraid to body you up. He can play physical. He can, he can, he can, you know, putting Jack Besh on a uh, on a line. Backer. Now, unless you got like Christian Harris, who played cornerback uh, in high school, just five minutes from where I'm recording this podcast right now. But uh, against most linebackers who are probably not great in pass coverage, a guy like Jack Besh can give you a lot of trouble. And so I think that's kind of where LSU tries to that that he kind of fills that tight end that receiving tight end mismatch role. That'll be uh, that'll be fun to watch. I think there I think there are opportunities for for mismatch there. Uh, let's flip the field and uh, and talk defense. Uh, uh, there's a quite a number of players on defense that look like they're having uh, good seasons, but still quite a number that uh, that are going to sit out as well. What kind of scheme can uh, Alabama fans expect the the Tigers to run, and who are some of the key players to watch out for? 
you know, that with Durante Jones, the new uh, defensive coordinator, there are a lot of LSU fans have, have really struggled with figuring out what exactly he wants to do. And some, a lot of whispers inside the program say, we haven't really seen Durante Jones's real idea of what he wants to do. He, he came in, brought in as a, as a multiple guy, because that's kind of what, how the, how the, the, the game is today. You got to run multiple schemes. You know, you, you'll see a little bit of three, four, you'll see a little bit of four, three, you'll see some four, two, five. I think that, that for for your you know for your fans, Damone Clark has been somebody who has led the team in tackles. He was a guy I was not high on I, at the beginning of the year. I thought LSU had a lot of questions at linebacker. He's he's a guy who who was a an all world recruit, and you thought he was going to be the next Devin White, and he just hadn't panned out. It seems like he's finally kind of put it together, and you know he had 19 tackles against Ole Miss, which it's you know pretty impressive. Um, you know, BJ Ojolari is another one to look for. He's probably the most talented guy on this, on this, that's going to be playing on Saturday. Um, you know, he's, he's a great, uh, uh, pass rusher, um, kind of hybrid outside linebacker type. I, I think he's liable to, to, you know, get past, uh, get past a tackle and make a sack at least once. Um, yeah. I'm sure Alabama is going to have to account for him and, and really wonder and, you know, look for him wherever he is on the field. LSU, of course, you know, for, for your fans who, who know L, who know LSU generally, like typically you'd say, oh, it's DBU. But I think you're not going to really get to see a ton, a ton of great cornerback play or great defensive back play. Not that we've got some good guys. Dwight McLaughlin's a good, a good player, and so is Cordell Flott. But um, you're not going to see Stingley. You're not going to see Ricks, who are probably the top two cornerbacks in the country. You know, Mason Smith, uh, interior uh, defensive lineman, true freshman, certainly someone that Alabama recruited. Looks like he's having uh, uh, – it's probably situational play. I'm just looking at stats. Uh, but it looks like he's put up some pressure, some sacks uh, from the in- inside. And uh, Ojolari uh, on the outside, boy, if he lines up on uh, LSU's defensive left, then he's going to give uh, he's going to give uh, Chris Owens a, a long day, our right tackle. And uh, Alabama fans will know that uh, I've been on Chris Owens – for most of the season. So watch out for, watch out for that, uh, that matchup. Talk about, you mentioned him. Um, talk about Derek Sting, Stingley from a distance. It seems like, and I don't know all of the, the situation, certainly as a freshman, uh, he was incredibly well-regarded and I think uh, justifiably so. I think he sat out most of last season. Uh, and I don't remember all the details, and then this season, it's it's not a dissimilar situation. I don't know all of the the circumstances on that. I see him projected as as a as a top ranked draft pick. And there's a part of me that just says, and it doesn't matter who he plays for. It doesn't matter that it's LSU. It doesn't matter. But and, and I say, man, is he going to draft that high based on an outstanding you know freshman season, and then a couple of seasons of really not playing? That challenges me a little bit. How is he going to go down? And I'm forecasting a little bit. How is he going to go down in sort of the lore uh, for uh, for Tiger fans? You know, and, and I'm I think I might be a minority on this. I, I think that Derek Stingley has been an overall an overall disappointment in in a lot of ways. Now, no one can, I'm not taking away anything from what he did in the freshman season. It was an, it was an incredible season. I remember him coming in people saying he's going to be the best ever. He's going to be better than Tyron Matthews. He's going to be better than Patrick Peterson. And in a lot of ways, his freshman year was phenomenal. He had a, an important uh, 
pick against Auburn. He had an important pick against Florida. He had a, he had a pick six against Georgia in the, uh, in the SEC championship. But, you know, since then you're right. Like he hasn't played a lot and some of that is beyond his, beyond his control. Some of it is, and, and, you know, you can kind of, I think there are a lot of Tiger fans that argue about how, how much beyond that, beyond his control it is. But I think that, I don't know if, you know, I, I know for a fact in my mind, he's not above Tyron Matthews. Tyron Matthews is the pinnacle. I don't think he's above Patrick Peterson, but I also will say that with a caveat. I don't know if it's necessarily his fault. I think it might be the way the game is moving. And I think it's something that's sad. You know, we, we like for me, I love this. I love college football. I like college football so much better than the NFL because it's not as much of a, it, or at least it, especially when Patrick Peterson or Tyron Matthew or, um, some of those great Alabama teams, like the you know 2011, 2012 teams that you know I'm sure 2010, those teams that that uh, you enjoyed watching. It it's the game has definitely changed, mm-hmm. and I think that Derek Stingley is making he's much more of a professional at twenty at twenty years old than Patrick Peterson was at twenty years old. Okay, and that's beside take nil out of it. I don't care about nil in this comp, but but that the I'll say, you know, Tyron Matthew, I don't think there would have ever been a question that Tyron Matthew would have suited up and played for the Tigers if, unless he was in a hospital bed. Same thing with Patrick Peterson. Same thing with so many of the great LSU players that, you, that we've talked about over, you know, over the course of the years. But I think there's a, there is a shift happen, that's happened in, within the sport. And to answer your question about, about Stingley in the draft, I actually totally, I totally buy that he'll, that he'll be a top 10 draft pick be, just for the fact that in the NFL – you know, he can go out there and play two downs and put a guy on an absolute island and you never hear that guy's name. You know, you never hear Amari Cooper's name for the entire t- the entire game that he's played. But then he does, but but also Stingley never makes a tackle or he never he never has to take on a blocker because it's just and that and that's perfectly fine. And he's and he's getting he's worth every penny to that to that GM who who drafts him. It's not the same way in college football, and that's something I've I've criticized him for. There's a, a big play against um in the very first game of the season against UCLA, where it looked like Stingley just kind of let let the uh, the running back run off and score, and you know that was something to me where it was like, like Tyre Matthew wouldn't let that happen, Patrick yeah. Peterson would let that happen, you know, and and I think that's but it, but I'm not going to hold that against him. I think it's just different. It's yeah. different now. No, that's fair. That's fair. It'll be it'll be interesting to you know as it unfolds. You know, you 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 remember back players on teams and. And and maybe it's specific plays. Maybe it's just the confidence, you know, the identity they had on the team and the confidence you had that, hey, that side of the field is is locked down. And it feels like, again, I speak from a distance, it feels like the memory will be, yeah, it seems like Derek Stingley was on the team, but it, it, is, it seems more hollow after that, right? Um, Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think that Derek Stingley will be remembered more as part of the 2019 season as man, that 2019 season was incredible. Remember we had Joe, we had Clyde, we had Derek Stingley. He'll be more remembered as part of that team than he will be as himself. Yeah. He will not be, he will not be the honey badger. He will not be Patrick Peterson. He won't be a singular player, even Glenn Dorsey or, you know, a guy like that who was on a good team and then won a national championship. But, but you remember him for him. I don't think Derek Sling is going to be that way. Um, and it's almost blasphemy to say for me to say that while he's like in Baton Rouge right now, but <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> no, that's fair. Let me, uh, let me ask you this. Um, 
So, uh, you know, not breaking news, uh, you know, Vegas has put out a, a line for the game. And, uh, you know, Coach O has a reputation, be it in an interim head coach position or now some sort of strange, you know, short timer uh, coming <laughs> off a of bye week. Uh, he is renowned for motivating his players. Is this sort of a weird sort of witch's brew coaches, Coach O scenario that uh, magic happens uh, Saturday or – is Vegas got a number that's uh, pretty good? I, I mean, is it still, is it what, 29 and a half? That's yeah, what I saw. Yeah, yeah, it's around there. I mean, I think that that's now that's a big number. I think it's a big number for any game. It is. I mean, that, I'd say that, you know, that's probably a big name number for when you're playing. You talked about playing Mercer earlier, you know, whoever. Yeah. But I, I do, I do think that um, that's probably one I'll avoid. I think if I had to, you gun to my head, I'd probably bet it on Alabama just because. I mean, I don't know if you heard about this, but last last week, but LSU didn't even practice last week. They didn't have enough people to to make to make Wednesday and Thursday practices. Um, between between all the talented players opting out, injured, transfer portal. Um, we didn't even talk about this, but one of our wide receivers, uh, Coy Moore, who's a, who's a, a standout four star uh, guy out of New Orleans, he entered the transfer portal, so he's not playing. I, I just, I, I have a hard time, you know, maybe, maybe we keep it close or I wouldn't even say keep it close. Maybe we, maybe we cover, but I don't, I don't, I don't like this game. I don't think this is going to be a, a potential. I don't think this is like the Florida game, yeah. you know, like, I don't think we're going to, I don't think we're going to be wowed the way that LSU fans were at 11 AM on a Saturday against right. Florida. Right. Fair enough. All right. Let me get you out on an easy one. Uh, you've probably already given me your answer in, in terms of the the conversation, but uh, an easy, fun question. Who's your favorite Tiger? Uh, favorite? It's got to be Tyron Matthew. Okay. Uh, I actually, I, the first ever podcast I recorded was a, was a, um, like a tryout to, to be on the podcast that I'm on. And I recorded about Tyron Matthew because one, I, I think that it's a little bit, you know, right when I was starting to really pay attention, not just like watch college football, but when I was falling in love with college football yeah. was when he was the honey badger. And that, you know, that was an incredible season. I don't think anybody has ever made as many plays as he did. I think, I don't know if anybody has ever been, um, I, and I, I, I think I would argue this to the death. I don't think anybody was ever as deserving of a Heisman as he was. And I think if, if he hadn't had the drug issue, he would have won it. You know, I, he's, he was electric on the field. He, and you see him and he's kind of the same way now in the NFL. Like I, I, like I said, I'm not a huge NFL fan, but I love to watch him play it for the chiefs. So yeah, it's, it's gotta be Tyron Matthews. No, that's fair. I think, uh, uh, you know, Booger McFarlane, uh, certainly someone I appreciated watching. Uh, Kevin Falk was uh, certainly a lot of fun. And uh, on my sheet of paper, I've got uh, Tyron, uh, uh, Tyron Matthew as well. And, and and my thought with him is, oh, man, I hated him. <laughs> and, and, oh, yeah. and, and that's just, you know, a statement of respect because he was so good. Uh, he could make plays from everywhere. It seems like there was a stretch where – you know, it was a turnover or a touchdown or something. Every week he was doing something from a different angle, from a different position. And it was one of those guys like, ah, I'm going to hate going up against him. And well, there's uh, that, there's that iconic photo of him. And uh, is it, who, who would have been, it would it have been Amari Cooper or in the game of the century, 2011, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's him and them jawing at each other. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, he was, he was part of that game, which I remember watching that just yeah. you know, there. That's something I, that I feel like you'll never, you know, that's something we'll never see again, especially yeah. with the way the sport is going. I rewatched that one over the summer, uh, and you know, it, it's just it, it was a different time. It, it was, uh, 
you, you actually got to see defenses really, really, really dominate. And, you know, he was, he was the premier, he was the Deion Sanders of, of our life or yeah. of my yeah. lifetime. Yeah. I didn't get to see Deion be Deion, but that was, you know, what he was. That was a, that was a phenomenal game. Uh, just the tension, uh, you know, a couple, you know, swapping field goals, very, very low score. And uh, there was a, uh, we did a podcast on that game uh, sort of back in the day. And uh, what they, the atmosphere of that game there in Tuscaloosa, it reminded me of, uh, and this was a silly analogy, but you just had to be there. You ever watch like the old Scooby-Doo uh, where, where it's a foggy night and Scooby-Doo, Scooby will cut out a donut from the fog and eat it. Like yeah. that was the tension. The tension oh, yeah. was that sort of tangible uh, in the air uh, for that game. And damn it, I guess another player I should add to my list is Eric Reed because uh, he came yep. up big that night as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, I remember. So I was I was watching that game from uh, during high school. I was working. At, I worked for a catering business, and we would cater weddings. And uh, and so somebody had decided to have their wedding reception on the night of the LSU Alabama game, but. It just, you know, as, as a PSA for anybody, I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast knows, but like, don't do it. Don't do that. Because guess what? There were more caterers. There were more catering workers at that reception than there were guests. Right. And so uh, towards the end of the, um, towards the, like the beginning or into the first quarter, my boss kind of looked at me. He was like, Hey, just go watch it. We're, we're good. We don't need, we don't need you anymore. So I got paid to watch that game. Nice. I remember it got to the point where, and of course, like you said, the tension, it was going back and forth through trading field goals. No one could move the ball. And it got to the point where the family of the of the the wedding party was all sit crowded around the TV. And, and, and then we were all just standing around them. So okay. we all watched it together. I, and I, mean, I remember it vividly, especially like the Eric Reed interception where, you know, catch it and comes down with it. Um, it was an iconic moment. I think it's yeah. a, it was, a, you know, a really important um, game for college football. Yeah. Like I said, it's something you'll probably won't see ever again. Right. Right. No, it was, uh, it, it was phenomenal. I completely agree. Completely agree. Well, Tommy, this has been phenomenal. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you joining us. Uh, Alabama fans. This is talking, uh, talking Tigs podcast. Tommy, we appreciate you having on, uh, have, having you on. And I would say uh, after Saturday, good luck down the stretch. Yeah. Thank you. All and right. we'll, we'll keep in touch. So uh, it's great. It's great being with you. Absolutely. Hey, welcome back, podcast fans. I uh, hope you enjoyed the interview. It was a lot of fun uh, talking ball with Tommy, talking uh, LSU and uh, players of the past, and uh, certainly looking forward to the game on Saturday. It's interesting to see, uh, as we do with these shows, right, sort of the, the, the spirit, the attitude, not attitude in a negative way, but sort of uh, the spirit that uh, opposing fans have coming into a game. Earlier in the season, it was interesting to see Miami really excited uh, about the game. Florida really excited uh, about the game. And as we get to the second half of the season, it's going to be interesting to see uh, maybe some of the expectations uh, that fans may have. And the LSU fan base seems to be down, uh, but optimistic. They're uh, a fantastic uh, recruiting base. And so if they get the right coach in there, they can be dangerous. And so that's why we were hoping they would keep Coach O. And uh, we're hoping they kind of flub this uh, this higher up uh, as well. But nonetheless, it was a lot of fun talking with uh, Talking Tigs podcast. And I appreciate you guys listening here. Uh, with that, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. 
we encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.